Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett, and today we've got a special guest, Joseph Michael. He's a multiple-time course creator of Learn Scrivener Fast, uh, Easy Course Creation, and some other projects he's been working on that we're going to get into. I wanted to get Joseph on the show because he's just had an interesting run in online course creation starting in, I believe, 2013. I pulled a quote off of your about page, which is, in July 2013, Joseph started his online business out of his 2002 Honda Civic during his lunch breaks. <laughs> so first, Joseph, thank you for coming on the show. And can you tell us a little bit about your origin story and how you got to where you are today as a course creator? Yeah, man, sure. Thanks, first of all, for having me. I love talking about this stuff. I'm honored to come on here and kind of share a little bit of my journey and hope that it can inspire whoever's watching or listening because... Um, uh, it really is one of those things that I don't want to say I kind of fell into, but I was kind of on the other side and thinking, mm, I, I see how some people could do that, but not me. Um, so like if, if somebody's out there hearing that, like I totally relate to that and I'll just kind of dive in and start back in 2013, um, to the Honda Civic story, basically, um, kind of in a nutshell, it was working the corporate job, you know, had, had been entrepreneurial like my whole life had tried a million different other things everything from real estate to network marketing to you name it kind of failed at it I don't really look at it as failures anymore but because it, it all led up to something else you know it was all experience right and um, got to the point where really I had settled down in my corporate job and I mean it was a good job I wasn't I wasn't complaining I was, I was thankful for it but you know if you're an entrepreneur if you're a natural creator if there's just something inside you that just kind of eats away at you and I kept shoving that down thinking I've tried that before I've done that it's time to just suck it up you know put in your time and <laughs> like do what I guess everybody else does or whatever and so I'd literally kind of quit on my my dreams and hopes of one day being able to you know, travel more and spend more time with the family. I was just like, I am locked into my nine to five job. This, it's all it's going to do. And, you know, I was trying to hustle, trying to climb the corporate ladder and it was tough. You know, there were layoffs happening and downsizing. And, you know, it was like, I remember one time my job specifically for some reason was always in limbo because it was like one of the things that they could just cut and, you know, save money on the budget. And uh, I remember one time, like my boss came in, like literally gave me a hug and was like, I'm sorry, we had a, we had a, a meeting and uh, it looks like they're going to be eliminating your position. Yeah, there's nothing we can do. Um, and I'm like, oh, you know, I went home over the weekend that time and I'm telling my wife, I'm like, I'm going to lose my job, you know, and, and then they'd come back on Monday and they'd be like, oh, well, hold on a minute. We might be able to work something out. And I'd just be literally hanging by a thread for like months. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I hate this that my security, like my sleep at night is in somebody else's hands, right? And so that's when I kind of started looking for something. And I was like, I mean, I'm going old school route. I'm like, all right, I guess I got to go like start waiting tables at night or trying to go deliver pizzas. And I thought at least, hey, delivering pizzas, I could listen to something I could, you know, so that's what I tried to do. And I was literally going to, I mean, Emo's is, I'm from St. Louis. So like Emo's is a popular pizza chain here. I was, I went to like a couple different Emo's, a Domino's, and I literally kept getting turned down by these pizza places because they were like, well, you've never delivered pizzas before. And you know, I'm like, give me an address. I will deliver the pizza to it. But anyway, it was like this, this ego blow. I'm like, I'm tired of my corporate job now because it's not looking very promising. I can't get an extra side job. So literally I'm like, man, 
what else can I do with like, you know, some of my skills? And that's when I turned online and I was like, let me just start researching some stuff online. Let me see if there's any way out there. It's kind of desperate. And I just stumbled across this whole online education sort of world, right? That I was like, regular people are packaging up stuff that they know or packaging up something that they're passionate about or excited about. And they're literally like teaching it and people are paying for it happily. And it's like this win-win, you know, cause back when I was looking into that stuff, it was like kind of scammy. It was like, or you had to sell stuff on eBay and I'm like, I don't know how to make anything. I'm, you know, picturing myself making some crafts in my garage or something. But, um, so yeah, like I literally just dove in, had no idea what I was doing, um, which is kind of something I tell people is like, you've got to just start somewhere, anywhere. You're never going to have it all figured out, but the pieces don't start coming to you until you start actually moving. Um, that's when like the ideas start happening. So I started with a blog, like most, most people do. I started just blogging about productivity and self-help kind of stuff. And, um, I was using this program to like organize all my chaos right? I I found it from a recommendation of a writer. It was called Scrivener. It's this software that most people are familiar with it from writing long form works of uh, uh, written text, like novels and things like that, right? But I found that it was incredibly useful to organize all kinds of content, like your blog and and your blog posts and your social media and like everything. It's really just like a database management tool. So I was using it. And then I kept stumbling across people saying, hey, I'm having trouble learning this program called Scrivener. And of course, it's kind of like that new car effect, you know, you don't see any of these cars out on the road and then you buy a certain model car and all of a sudden you're like, they're everywhere, right? So like, same thing with Scrivener. I just happened to notice all these comments about this software. And then one day, I was, I was always a fan of Michael Hyatt's um, blog, michaelhyatt.com. He blogs about all kinds of stuff, you know, leadership and, and tech tools and all kinds of good stuff. And he talked about Scrivener. And somewhere in these, you know, hundreds of comments that people were talking about where it's like, man, this thing is hard to learn. I wish I could use it. And, you know, I gave up on it. And then somewhere in there, I think Michael mentioned, if there was a course on it, I would buy it today. I'm surprised there's not. And then that was like, wait a minute, there's not? And so I kind of started researching. And uh, fast forward a couple of years, I was the one who created that course for it. And um, it's it, it took off. And it kind of really sort of put me on the map. And I was able to invest a lot of time and energy into it. And that was sort of my ticket to live the lifestyle that I've always dreamed of that I had thought was too good to be true. <laughs> that's awesome. So you found a, you found a real pain point. Exactly. And, that's what it all comes down to. And uh, tell me a little bit about the corporate job in the sense that a lot, many people, they don't have, um, when they're in that situation, they have no time to pursue their creative endeavor on top of family and everything else. How did you make the space or how did you figure out the time question? Yeah, man, that is tough, especially, and we talked about this a little bit before we jumped on our call here is if you've got, you know, if you've got little kids, you've got a family, you're like, you're juggling a bunch of things, right? If you're not working, then it's family time. And if you're not doing that, you're shuffling the kids across to their sports and whatnot. And so I just had to look at my day and think, all right, I had this idea, right? I was passionate about this thing. Now I wanted to get it out there, but I was like, where and when am I going to do this thing? It's obviously going to take quite a few hours to put together. And I knew not, you know, everybody has the same amount of hours in a day, right? Some people can get an extreme amount done and others just seems like they never do. And what's the difference? And so I started looking at, there's a few different slots that I could carve out time. It was either 
with my family at home at night, you know, like after I got home and I really wasn't okay with that because it was really important to me. I tried to protect that. Um, it was either staying up late, like after the family went to bed, I'm not really a night owl or waking up really early and I'm not really a morning person either. So I was like, well, you know what? I've got this one hour lunch break at work. And, you know, instead of going out with the guys or, you know, doing whatever, just sitting there in my car, half the time I bring my lunch and just sit there and just, you know, stare out the window. And sometimes I'd even take a nap. I was like, why don't I use that as like a productive hour? So I literally brought my laptop in the car and it's a funny little hack. I, w- I would drive to a nearby Starbucks, sit in the parking lot so I could tap into like their Wi-Fi because it was too loud to go like inside Starbucks. And I, I wanted to record tutorial videos, right, for, for my course. And I bought this cheap little like $40 uh, microphone, plugs in USB. I think it was a blue snowflake or something like that. And I would sit in my car and tap into their Wi-Fi and just bang out, you know, one little tutorial at a time. In an hour's time, you know, I could do two or three of them. And sooner or later that kind of started to add up and all of a sudden I was like hey you know I've got kind of enough to put this out into the market and so you just do what you got to do and I knew it wasn't going to be forever I was hoping anyway <laughs> and, and then carving out any other extra time you had you know if you know the wife was taking the kids out for the afternoon on a weekend or something I'm like okay cool run down to the basement I knew exactly what I was working on you know and just just carving those little slots in so you just got to be creative yeah, that's that's awesome. It's not always like some Himalayan push over a weekend or a week. It might be just an hour over the course of a year. I mean, you got to work with what you have. Exactly. Um, well, tell me, tell us a little bit about when you knew you were onto something. I mean, you saw something. You saw a high-profile person with a big audience, with a bunch of. You saw trends of a pain point around uh, not being able to figure out a software tool. After you launched the course, when did you realize or get some indicators that? this might just work. (laughs) So I did something that looking back is something I teach now that I did that was I kind of fell into that was a stroke of good luck that I didn't know was actually something you should do right is is kind of co create it with the audience that um, that it might want your product, you know, so sort of validating it as I was making it. So I found out early on that a lot of writer folks hung out on Twitter. And they would, they would chat all day long kind of about all these different little, you know, quirks, whether it's Scrivener or, and, you know, I just kind of found all these hashtags and I would, it was sort of like a game to me. Like, oh, here's another hashtag that I find out where a bunch of writers are, are at. You know, AM writing, for instance, they, a lot of writers, they write in the AM and they're talking about their struggles of writing or whatnot. Does that oh, still work today, by the way? The oh, absolutely. Hash- okay. Yep, absolutely. In fact, I still go into the same, um, same hashtags and jump into the same conversations as I did then. It's... It's, it's not something you can do at scale, like forever, but hey, in the beginning, like I didn't have an audience. I didn't have an email list. I didn't, you know, I didn't have these things. And so you got to do some of that grunt work in the beginning. But that was such a blessing for me then because I was able to talk with these people, find out their real struggles right from them and just open up the conversation to where somebody might mention, you know, hey, I'm using Scrivener. Has anybody ever used this corkboard feature before? How do I do this or that? You know, and I would jump in and be like, well, here's how you do it. And I'd send them a little screenshot and because you know, it was fresh in my mind and they're like, wow, thanks. And, you know, we just jump. Have you tried this feature? No. And, and then by like maybe the third or fourth back and forth, you know, I might say, hey, by the way, I'm creating a course on this to help people learn it faster. Would, would you be interested, you know, in signing up as like a, a beta member or testing it out for me? And nine times out of 10, they're like, uh, yeah, that would be awesome. You know, I've struggled to learn it and I would just ask some questions. What other things did you struggle with? Those kind of, uh, you know, kind of 
questions. And I literally, that's where my content came from. And so I could see right away that it, the, the excitement from real people, you know, uh, while I was making it now, did I, did I know for sure if it was going to sell, if there was a price tag on it? Not quite, <laughs> but, uh, I started out slow. I would, I think I used Gumroad, uh, at the time, just like a quick, you know, or PayPal or something, but Gumroad allowed you to do a coupon code. Right. And so I was super afraid to charge money for the course. So what I did was I just created like, I think at very first it was like 35 bucks and I created a $35 off coupon. And I would go onto Twitter, have these conversations, and I'd be like, here's a, here's a free pass, essentially. Um, my course is for sale. Here's a free pass in exchange for some feedback and, and whatnot. And, and people were like, taking me up on that, taking me up on that. And they were like, how much is it going to be when you charge, you know, a full price? And I'm like, 35 bucks. And they're like, oh man, no, I would have paid triple that. This is really well done. And this is, you know. And so my confidence kind of started, you know, boosting after that. And I'd add more and more stuff to it. And, you know, eventually got to the point where it was, a $97 product and people were thanking me all day long and saying, man, I'd have paid double this and, you know, started adding in interviews with other writers and adding in all kinds of extra stuff to where today we've got three different packages really. Cause I wanted to keep it affordable for, you know, the struggling writer who just wants to learn Scrivener. So we've got, we've got three different price tiers, goes all the way up to 297, still super affordable. And, you know, I always wanted to offer like lifetime access so somebody could just literally have an encyclopedia <laughs> of like all things Scrivener right in front of them anytime they wanted. So, yeah, that's, that's sort of how I started. A lot of grunt work in the beginning, but it was really, really, um, really paid off because I was in there to get those actual wording from the customers. How do you do your pricing tiers? You just mentioned pricing, so I just wanted to capture that. Yeah, so I, you know, I experiment a lot. I think you, you really... The pricing game is a funny one because if you ask, you know, 10 different people, nobody's like, I have a definitive answer on pricing, <laughs> you know, because right. there's just so many variables and you really got to know your market, you know, the competition in your market, you know, what is your value, all the, you know, what are your customers able to pay and what are they willing to pay? There's all these variables. And so you've kind of got to start somewhere with an educated guess. Um, so obviously, I started with an educated guess. Scrivener, the software, was forty-five bucks. I thought, so well, if they can pay for that, yeah, if they could pay yeah. for that, then they could pay yeah. for my course to learn it, right? Well, and then people were challenging me on that, going, "Joe, you went, you went to college, right?" I'm like, yeah. Did you take a computer course on like Microsoft or something? Yeah, I did. Like, well, how much was that? Like, well, it was like fifteen hundred bucks. Well, that's way more than the software cost. They're like, because the real value is in learning how to use that software, right? And I was like, oh, that's, that's true. And I started to believe that more and more, which is a key, key component to sales nowadays, is you've, re you've really got to believe in what you're selling. And again, somebody early on challenged me, you're doing your customers a disservice by not charging what it's really worth. Um, and all those kind of things were a learning process for me because I was never like, I didn't want to be the salesy guy, you know, and I didn't want to have anybody ever feel like I was scamming them. And so it, over the course of a year, I think, um, I was doing one price, right? It was just like $97 for a long time. And then we added a lot of extra stuff in and it was like, well, we could test this price by adding in another tier, right? So if you have at least two tiers, you can say, we've got like a VIP package that's got all these extras in it. And we've got the regular. And you can start to, start to see, okay, well, if 80% of your people are buying the VIP, well, that means you could probably even go a little bit higher and raise the price because you, you kind of want that middle ground. And with three tiers, 
I found that to be a really easy way to gauge, you know, to where you want the majority of your folks buying at the middle tier, which is, you know, it's not the lowest. Some people will always buy the highest because they just want the best stuff. And then, you know, a lot of times they'll start around in the middle. So through a lot of testing, we wound up with the prices we have today. And something I like to do for promotional strategies is I do a lot of webinars. And so along with the pricing, I always keep in mind, what can I do for a webinar? Like, how can I give somebody something special? So you know, if, if your product's only 47 bucks and you're doing a webinar and you want to give an amazing deal, well, you're, you can't really discount it too much because now you're not even making a profit. And if you're going to do something with an affiliate partner and then you split it, you know, now there's really nothing. So you've got to think, I think about those things anyway, because those all play a part into marketing and um, it's a learning game. It, I always say just experiment. Like there's no failure in this game. That's, that's the one hurdle to get over this like paralysis of failing. It, it's all just experimenting. And I thought that with my Scrivener course was like, yeah, I'm going to spend a lot of time making this thing and, and it might totally flop, but I will still learn how to put together a course. And I'm sure I could use that for something. So that was a big shift that helped me get through those, those dry times of like, man, am I just wasting my time here? You know, is this going to... Uh, is this even going to work? And we all have those doubts and fears. And, and you just got to persist through those and kind of trick yourself and say, yeah, but you know, something good is still going to come out of it. That's awesome. Well, just shifting gears to something that's always fascinated me is just looking at the course landscape is that in software, especially the people who make the software <laughs> are rarely the same people that make the best training around the product. Could you just speak to that and also just your personal story and like, did you contact the software company, make sure it was okay with Scrivener? Or uh, they could they not be happier? Like I personally wouldn't be ha couldn't be happier if someone made more and more courses about the software, and they they're really awesome instructional designers and teachers and all this. Like, but what was your experience, and why does it happen this way? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I've heard some horror stories with people. You know, especially if you're going to use their name, you know, they could come after you, kind of basically shut you down. And I wanted to make sure right from the beginning I didn't run into that kind of problem. So, you know, I built a, a really kind of what I thought was a good enough version 1.0 to show a little bit of like what it was going to represent. Um, and I contacted them. Luckily, Scrivener, they're not this like huge organization, you know. Um, they're still rather small, really focused on making the product the best it could be. And, and, and they're, you know, they're like coder guys and whatever you call them. Like, it's developers. not what I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, developers. Yeah, exactly. So I always tell people, like, if you could start a business without knowing an ounce of code, like, if I could do it, trust me, you can do it. Because um, I, I don't even know what it's called. So, um, I reached out to them basically and said, Hey, here's what I'm, here's what I'm, you know, passionate about. I'm making this to try to help your audience. And I, I framed it in a way that like, look, I want to make sure I represent your product good. And if there's anything you see in this so far, let me know. And, and you know, um, I'll change it. And cause you, are, way, you do affect their brand in some absolutely. ways you become an ambassador for it. Yeah. And so obviously my intent was, Hey, we're going to have a partnership down the road, right? That would be ideal. Um, and so First of all, they responded back with like, man, we love what you're doing, like super high quality. It's, it's really great. They even gave me some tips on like, hey, this feature was really like, here's the, here's the idea behind what it was supposed to do. And I was like, oh, wow. So I would literally kind of shape my training around that a little bit. And they were like, um, you know, I, I told them I wanted to use the name. At that point, I was calling it uh, Scrivener Coach. Dot com. Um, and then it kind of evolved into Learn Scrivener Fast based out of I really wanted to call out the main pain point, which was it was taking writers too long to learn. So it was just like, let's just, let's learn it fast, right? And um, 
So this took like, so this took some entrepreneurial guts. You didn't get yeah. a cease and desist letter in the mail, but <laughs> you you limited the downside by making sure to talk to them and make sure it was cool. Absolutely, yeah. And they were totally cool with it. They were like, yeah, you know, that's it's great. Um, they were like, one thing that that we can't really like promote you per se. Like we can support you. Like we love what you're doing, but we can't really promote you because of. And this kind of makes sense now that I think about it from a marketing perspective. They're like we understand what you're doing, but to to say that we think Scrivener is hard to learn would oh, be yeah. kind of going against, <laughs> right. you know, our philosophy. And so by promoting you, it would kind of say we're agreeing with the fact that Scrivener is kind of hard to learn, which I think there's some gray area there. But um, right. anyway, I think it comes down to, you know, there's developers who are just focused kind of in their world. And then there's creators who they really like to create. And my I guess my gift, so to speak, and people would tell me this years ago, like even in the corporate world, like, Joe, you're so resourceful. And, and that's, and I would always be like, oh, man, I hate that. Like, what, what am I going to do with resourceful? You know, like <laughs> yeah. if somebody asked me directions, I was the guy who would literally like take screenshots. And then like, when you come to this gas station, you go, you know, like kind of overboard. But now I realize as a, as a teacher, all those things really come in handy. And so that's my gift is to take a complex thing and like let me see how I can make it super simple for the average user and that's basically what I did with the software program and the funny thing is like I'm not even a writer really like I've never written a novel I've never written anything other than really like a blog post and some sales copy but this software piece is made for writers right so you'd think well Joe must be an expert in writing but it really has nothing to do with that and I I see a lot of course creators think they stop right there and they think, well, I'd love to talk about this topic, but I'm not an expert in that, you know? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, can you teach it? That's all that matters. Do you know a little bit more than the person who wants to know it? And a lot of times you have a fresh perspective, which is the other thing I realized by me not being a super duper expert, I was still kind of a beginner at Scrivener and I was learning it. So I was learning it, then teaching it, learning it, then teaching it. So I was able to offer that fresh perspective Versus somebody who's like been using Scrivener, who maybe developed Scrivener, like they know it like the back of their hand, but they forgot what it was like when they were new. So another challenging perspective there. I, I just want to really highlight what you're saying there about having a talent for identifying step by step. I mean, anybody who's trying to learn something and they're listening to somebody really smart or who's been doing it for a long time. There's all these like things that have internalized into the subconscious. But if you have that gift of being able to be like, okay, screenshot, step one, step two, and, and don't make any assumptions in, in the path, that's super valuable. And I, I understand why I think as a, a software company, like it's like to go back to like, okay, well, let's take this from the beginning, step by step. They're on to the next feature, bug fix, next problem. Like it's a totally different skill set. Yeah. And that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, for Scrivener and what you're up to and, and the listener out there, there's all these different niches. I've always been a little bit fascinated with the author, or the aspiring writer niche. Like, what can you tell us about that niche? Like, for example, you said you realized they hung out on Twitter, AM writing, they get up in the morning. Uh, you know, it, maybe it's a little isolating. So they're turning to social media to connect and stuff like that. But like what? Tell us about the writer niche and, and just some of the interesting things you've found out about that niche. Yeah. And number one, that they exist and they're as active as they are. It was just mind blowing to me because I, I was new to this world. I was, I thought I was going to do something in like productivity. I even 
made an ebook that was a massive failure. It was like, you know, about a to-do list that like I was all focused on like productivity. And I thought, but that space is, it's really vague. It's really, you know, overdone almost. And it was a hard mental shift to think about, all right, go really niche, right? Because you're thinking, well, if I don't make something that's for everybody, you know, why would I want to eliminate people? Why shouldn't I want to make something that's for everybody? But what you don't realize is you've got to get in there and somehow be seen amongst all the noise out there. There's, there's so much noise, so much static. And the magnet to that that will draw people straight to you is having something really niche, like really calling them by name. And so Scrivener was a very niche thing. So I always, I try to teach people in my course where I teach courses is try to go like four deep. So like you've got writing, right? Is like a huge niche. Oh, the, you're a writer. Let's take, let's talk about writing. Well, then you've got maybe, how about self-publishing? And then self-publishing, software programs. Well, then we got Scrivener. So we're like, we're four levels deep now. And so that's it's really not kind just of a, a course for writers. It's yeah. not, not at all. <laughs> no, you, you've narrowed it down. You went really niche. And I think as a creator, it's a little bit easier to create something more niche too, because now you're narrowed on what to teach. But anyway, back to your question, the whole writer community, um, I think with the explosion of self-publishing, number one, has opened up so many doors for so many people and there's so many avenues to make a really good living if that's your goal like you know to to make extra income by using your writing or if you've just got this burning desire to get your words out in red and, and you've always had a dream to get your book out there well I mean there's a lot of hurdles along those way and so anything that you can just try to think and put yourself in their shoes you know if I'm one of them what's a hurdle well there's a software program that could make it a lot easier for them to get their work finished and out there faster. Okay, well, if you could help them learn that, could you help them succeed? Yes. Great. Well, what else do they struggle with? And just kind of go along the way. And that's why another course that I've just recently launched was a 30-day book writing boot camp. So another struggle they have is like getting the thing finished. You know, like we start it, but we never finish it. And so it's like, well, let's do a boot camp. Let's get this thing done in 30 days. What if we could do that? or at least just kick things up a notch, get some momentum going. And so you just kind of look at who are they? And the more you learn about your target audience, like literally what keeps them up at night? Like what, what are their desires? And it's funny because the biggest shift in sales for me with my Scrivener course was when I wrote all of the copy, it was very product-based. Like, oh, well, look at this. We've got screenshots. And yeah. yeah, you know, we, we've got videos and oh, okay. But I hired a copywriter, which was my first ever expense. Uh, and just to, just to jump in there, uh, mm -hmm. I'd encourage everybody to go check that out for Learn Scrivener Fast. There's a long sales page, long form sales page. So you're saying you hired somebody to write that. Yeah. If anything, go read the copy on that page. It's, it's super well written. I was very skeptical. I was like, oh my gosh, this thing's forever long. And, and, you know, and she was like, Joe, trust me, like just put this out there. Trust me. And it was like, we didn't even really talk about Scrivener that much. We talked about basically the writer's journey and, you know, a writer's need to get their words read and seen by, you know, hundreds of people. And they, they just don't want to be like, have the written forgot the writing forgotten about somewhere. And so like we changed the whole theme of it. And really when you're tapping into that, that's where the sales come in. And it's kind of counterintuitive to how we might think, but um, it all goes back to learning about that audience. And so I've really fell in love with the, the writers and the whole writing space to where I feel like I'm able to, to listen to them and know what their needs are. And really you make one successful product and it's so much easier for those people to follow you to the next one and the next one. And there's an endless amount of ideas as, as things keep growing and changing. It's, 
It's a land of opportunity. It's amazing. <laughs> well, speaking of niches, and um, you also have a course called Easy Course Creation. And um, online course creators like writers, uh, just the industry right now is exploding. Yeah. Is that, um, did you, were you coming at it kind of from an angle as like another way to serve writers? Because writers, especially nonfiction writers, are a prime potential to potentially make a lot more money if they do online courses, package it differently, and uh, just kind of take what they're doing and, re and, and also apply online course principles? Or was it like also just a, an exciting avenue for you to share some of the lessons learned along the way or both? Or how did you make that transition? Yeah, it's interesting because I started really just listening to the questions I got asked. And yes, in the beginning, there was a lot of Scrivener questions. But then a theme started happening. More and more people were asking me about the course itself. They were like, I really love the look and feel of this course. Like, did you spend thousands, like, thousands of dollars on a developer to design this? And actually, I was like, no, actually, I just did it myself. And you know, I don't know anything about code. So I kind of hacked it all together. And they were like, no way, can you show me? And, and I was literally jumping on, you know, one-on-one -on -one consulting calls and showing people just the back end of my WordPress, basically blog turned into a course and just showed them, oh yeah, look, like you make this look like a fancy button by just making it an image and adding a link to it. And they were just like blown away by stuff I thought was just kind of simple, but I just kind of, uh, you know, found my own way. And this was over the course of like a year, you know, people were like, can you show us how to do the course like you did? Can you show us how to make one like you did? You know, I've taken a lot of courses, but I like how yours is. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll make something. But I was like, there's already people out there talking about course creation. There's a ton of courses on that, you know, and people kept saying, yeah, but we want to see how you did it. But there's only one you. Yeah. And right? I, I was like, then it kind of just hit me like, hmm, okay, I guess you're right. Because I think about that when I'm learning different subjects. I may buy, you know, three or four different books from different authors on the same topic, right? Because they all have a different angle at it. And so then I was like, well, let me put something out there and uh, put my stuff together, put my theories together and my, you know, hacking skills together or whatever I do. And it kind of made it into a course. And then I was thinking, yeah, I can see where courses are combining with books now more than ever too. You know, a lot of authors, they're what do you readers. mean by that? What do you, can you give us more detail? Yeah. Like, so for instance, I mean, when people are really engulfed in, in a book, like they may want more, right? Cause people are on their e-readers. They can put links in there now and they're like, how do I get more from this author? And they're leaving a lot of money on the table by not having a follow-up course or something, you know, like let's dive into the concepts I talked about in the book, which works really well for, um, nonfiction. Now, fiction is another thing. A lot of fiction writers are like, nah, that, that's only for nonfiction. And it's like, no, it's not true. People love like a membership site to dive into the characters further and to see behind the scenes. And like people are amazed with behind the scenes stuff. I think we take that for granted because we're like, we know insider. ourselves. Yeah, yeah, we're like, no, nobody cares about this. But you know, they do. Like people love to see behind the scenes. And um, so I think there's a huge opportunity there for, you know, especially if you're a struggling writer who, and you thought maybe this was going to be your ticket to some extra income. Let me tell you, I've got author friends that are like, Joe, if I never would have created a course, I'd have still been that struggling broke writer. Like it's so much easier to um, just charge money for a course and to offer more and put it together nowadays than it ever has been. And the audience is loving it. So it's a win-win. That's awesome. Well, a couple final, just kind of rapid fire questions here. Yeah. What, what's, uh, what's your best tip on community building? Oh, community building. 
let's see. Probably just finding the common ground and being one of them. You know, like just if you if you're just guessing, if you're not really researching, like in in my course on courses, I talk a lot about researching your audience uh, because that's the community that you're going to serve, and you've got to you've got to know them and and be one of them, and that's going to make sales a lot easier too. I think that's one of the relatable things I always have on the webinars I do, and I always tell people, hey, I'm just an average Joe. For- from Missouri. Like literally, I was one of you who was struggling with Scrivener myself and decided to master it and thought I would teach you now. So I think if you can have that, you know, a lot of people think we only want to learn from experts, right? And the community say, no, we just want to learn from people. Like it doesn't have to be an expert, just somebody to hold me by the hand and show me what to do and never underestimate the amount of handholding people want. So I would think that with, you know, with community building and start putting stuff out there and teaching, show your style. That's all I did. And you start to develop a, you know, really good community around that, the people that like your style and can relate with you. You're not going to be everybody's style and, and that's fine, but that's how you'll start to build your own tribe and your own community um, with people who are like-minded. How about uh, just mastering expertise, like in terms of like Scrivener or, course creation, or like you said, uh, research is a big part of your method, but like, how do you stay sharp at whatever niche you choose? Um, yeah. So <laughs> I don't think I've admitted this on many, many, uh, interviews before, but with Scrivener, like, like I've always said, I was never the expert. I was still sort of new to it. And I only used a fraction of what was possible. And that's what most people say. I'm using Scrivener, but I know I'm only, you know, the tip of the iceberg. And so I would literally, I bought every book there was written about Scrivener. I, I researched every blog post it was written. I wanted to find out what was out there. I watched every YouTube video and then I was like, okay, now I can fill in the gaps, right? And there's kind of two ways you can create a course, either something that you're already an expert in, you already have a lot of knowledge in, but there's another way that people forget and that's this, which is something you're interested in, but you might not be an expert in yet. Kind of as you go. <laughs> as you go. And literally, here's what I would do. I had Scrivener for Dummies. I had like three or four other books. I would look up one topic and I would read it in each book and find out what else was said about it. And then I'd be like, okay, what does that mean to me? And how do I interpret that? Okay, got it. Let's record a video about it. it literally just one piece at a time. And I think it made for a really cool, fresh perspective on whatever it is I was, I was teaching. And so I was literally learning and then just teaching what I was learning. Awesome. And you've kind of already answered this, but just in terms of creating uh, the course kind of method or outline or instructional design, you mentioned a real commitment to step-by-step doing your research and then translating it through you. What other, give us one more instructional design tip. Um, so for me, and if you're teaching something that's more complicated, my kind of approach to simplifying that would be to break it down right into its simplest form. So for the Scrivener audience, it was, let's make them short bite-sized videos. I probably got more comments from the students of my courses, the number one thing they liked the most, which was, I love how the lessons are short and bite-sized. Like, yeah, there might be a hundred of them, but people were like, I could literally, if I'm on hold at work on a phone call, I can jump in and watch a Scrivener video and learn how to do something real quick. Cause they're short, like, you know, three to five minutes. So it's not something somebody has got to sit there and like devote an hour of their time to. And I kind of did it selfishly because it was easier for me to create it. You know, I was like, okay, three minutes on this topic, (laughs) let's produce it. Um, 
but the audience loved it. And so for really kind of instructional stuff that's maybe hard to understand, break it down. And I think people will like it. That's awesome. And then the last one in the lightning round, in terms of uh, like course technology or marketing technology and just this whole technology piece, what philosophical general advice would you recommend so that people don't get caught in like overly complicated technology or spending too much money on technology? Man, it's so easy to do. A lot of folks, you know, if anything delayed me, it was probably that. Like, well, I don't have the budget to buy the fancy camera or the good money. It's like, forget all that. Forget about the logo. Forget about the way everything looks for now. Like, just focus on the content and think, what do I have that I can work with? Most people have an amazing smartphone that's probably within two feet of you right now that's got an amazing camera, good enough audio, and you can create your course right there or your webcam or whatever you got. So that's what I had. Uh, I wasn't going to be on camera because I wasn't comfortable enough to be on camera yet. But you know what? I could make some slides and I could talk over them and hit record. And that was, that was my whole first course. The other thing was I really wanted it to be perfect and I knew it wasn't. So I told myself, well, hey, this is, this is video. This is online. This isn't like a book where you put it out there and, and you're not going to be able to edit it. Like you can fix this stuff later. That was a huge hurdle that got me to make things quicker was like, I'll go back and, and update it in the future, but let me get this part out first. And you know what? Most people were 100% fine with what I put out there. It was just, I was being the perfectionist, but my perfectionism, you know, my, my 80% done was a lot of people's perfect. You know, it was fine for them. So start with what you got where you are. Um, gosh, my first part of the course, like it was in its early stages, it wasn't this fancy, like you even had a login. It was literally, it was, it was a blog. It was like a WordPress site. I didn't have protected pages. Like, yeah, somebody could have found it, you know, if, I, if they searched it just right. Um, I didn't have anything fancy. I, like I said, I used Gumroad and they downloaded a PDF that had a link to my page. Like that's how they got there. And you just learn as you go and, you know, update it, get more sophisticated as you go. And, um, yeah, I mean, start with what you got and you can always increase it later. Like don't compare your beginning to somebody else's, you know, five-year journey. It's just, don't do it to yourself because it's going to torture, <laughs> it's, it's torturous. I used to do that, like, oh, it's got to look like this. And like, well, they've, been, they've been in business, you know, for seven years and you're just starting. So you can't do that, but you can get there. And they started that way too. That's awesome. Well, I really want to thank you, Joseph, for coming on the show and uh, sharing your journey with us. That was like a huge knowledge bomb. So I just want to honor you and thank you for sharing all that wonderful experience with all the course creators out there. If people want to find you and find out more with what you got going on, where can they best find you on the web? Yeah, a few different places. Obviously, my courses live at learnscrivenerfast.com and easycoursecreation.com. And you can go to josephmichael.net. We're in the middle of doing a redesign on that. So uh, depending on when you listen to this, I'm not sure. Hopefully it'll be up and running by then. Um, but that's where kind of kind of start collecting more of just my, hey, here's what I'm learning about all kinds of different things as a place to uh, share more stuff there. So, and of course, if you're hanging out on Twitter, if you're a writer, or even if you're not, but you like Twitter, at Scrivener Coach is my handle there. And I'd love for you to pop in and say hello. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's been fun.